Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about marketing, growing, and scaling your private practice. I'm Brent Stutzman, and today we're going to be talking about how to brand and market a faith-based practice. And to help me do that is Whitney Owens. Whitney is a licensed professional counselor, group practice owner, and faith-based private practice consultant. She's located in Savannah, Georgia, where she manages a private pay group practice with 10 plus clinicians. Along with running her practice, she consults practice owners around the country on how to start and grow a successful faith-based practice. She hosts summits and weekly podcasts and a membership community for faith-based practice owners called Wise Practice. She has spoken at numerous events such as uh, the Georgia and Maryland Annual Professional Counselors Conferences, as well as trainings for Florida's Counseling Association. In 2023, she spoke at Meet You in Kentucky, which I was at, which is for group practice owners, as well as she's hosted her own summit for faith-based practice owners in Savannah. In her free time, Whitney enjoys spending time with her husband and two girls, running, reading, and relaxing in the backyard. Welcome to the show, Whitney. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk about this topic as a um, as someone who's worked in the church for many years. Um, I'm I'm excited to talk about from your perspective how to brand and market a faith based practice. So I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Let's jump in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the very first thing with all of our branding is just really defining it, right? And so what does it mean to be a faith-based practice? That can mean lots of different things. I think the first part is identifying the why behind what you're doing. So why do you want to be a faith-based practice? Is faith an important part of your own life? Hmm. What makes an important part of your life? And something can be a part of your company, but not necessarily a part of everything you do. So then it's like figuring out, okay, well, how do I integrate faith in my clinical work? Or is it just in my branding? Or how do I want to do that? So it's looking at all those questions. Now, when we say faith, what does that mean? It can mean lots of different types of faith, right? Not one faith is necessarily better than another. It's figuring out which one is the one that you feel like is appropriate for you and your values. So for me, it's a Christian faith. So that's what I adhere to, what I do in my practice. Now, when we use the word Christian, it's become something totally different over the years, right? And sadly, some of it has a negative connotation the past few years. And so when I think about, okay, well, how do I want to market myself? That's why I use that word faith-based, because I feel like it doesn't have that strong connotation to it the way that that word Christian sometimes can, unfortunately. So that's why I call myself a faith-based practice in my group practice. And then I also call myself a faith-based private practice consultant because I help people start and build their faith-based practices. Got it. Yeah. And that's great. And it's also, I know, yeah, we talked, you mentioned it, Christian, that kind of can have a negative connotation, but it could also bring a lot of relief to someone who's yes. maybe looking for somebody who has a Christian background. And there's a couple of different ways I think I've seen practice owners do this. Are they Christians doing counseling or are they Christian counselors? Yeah. And I don't know if you, have you had like conversations with your practice owners around that and how that actually um, influences the why or nuances the why. Definitely. It's a big influence. Yeah. And people also get confused on what do I need to call myself a Christian counselor? Right. So people will be like, well, I can't call myself a Christian counselor because I don't have a certification to do that. Well, let me tell you, you don't actually need a certification to call a, yourself that. Actually, there are some certifications out there. None of them that I'm like, "Ooh, you got to go get this one. It's the best. Like, 
I think it really just boils down to a good understanding of what Christianity means. How do you integrate it ethically and appropriately in your clinical work um, and understanding those values and being able to do that work with your clients, right? Yeah. I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about calling yourself a Christian counselor. Now, I agree with you. I would say actually the most of the people I work with are actually counselors who also call themselves Christians. Um, and they're the ones that end up working with me and consulting. There are people who outright call themselves a Christian counselor. And that goes back to your branding, right? Like, how do you want to speak to the world about yourself and about the work you do? And the good news here is it doesn't have to be right or wrong. Like you might start your branding and your messaging in one way. Maybe you start by saying, I'm a Christian counselor and you put that on all your stuff, right? Well, maybe over time you start to realize, hey, like I am drawing in Christians, which is great. It's my ideal client, but I actually really also enjoy working with people who are not of a faith background. So then you might want to change your messaging a little. So things can be fluid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were just talking on my show about data. As long as you're tracking the data, you can figure out what's working with your marketing and your branding. Yeah. And I also see like in the, in the background. So I, for my partnership clients, I run their Google ads and there are people who search for Christian counselor near me. There's a lot of people who search for that. Um, But I think you need, yeah, for the practice owner, the faith-based practice owner is really being able to integrate like for yourself. You really got to know this. How does your theological understanding of God in the world and people like, and what does change look like in the midst of that and helping people Mm -hmm. change and grow and heal? Um, mm-hmm. some people may come to you for, um, you know, I need more of that theology and you need to be able to comfortably like enter, engage in that kind of theological side of things or not. I also know that there's people who, who are going through like death and dying and grieving situations. And they really do want a Christian to help process that because Christians, most of them, they believe in the resurrection and there's hope and there's, you know, but there's, mm-hmm. there's also this, there's hope in the midst of grieving, I guess. So I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're going to call yourself a Christian counselor or a Christian doing counseling to really have a strong understanding of what that integrative approach looks like so that you can clearly talk about it on your website or on your videos that you make and those types of things. Most definitely. Yeah. I think every practice that has a Christian counseling component, so that could even be a group practice where one of your therapists is a Christian should have Christian counseling on their page. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was researching, now this was back in like 2019, I was trying to decide if I wanted to be a Christian consultant, helping people on their practices. Cause at that time I was building my practice and I didn't have a consultant that I could find that marketed in that way. And I was looking for that. And so I did a quick search to how many times is somebody searching for this? And it's like, it was over seven or 800 times. Of course that was years ago mm-hmm. for specifically a Christian counseling consultant, right? Well, if that's what it is for that, you can't imagine how it is for just Christian counseling. I mean, we get so many referrals even at our practice. Of course, I'm in the South, but specifically <laughs> yeah. specifically for that. And so mm-hmm. I think every practice should have a Christian counseling page, even if it's not all that you do. Do not worry. No one's going to go to your practice and go, oh, gosh, they have one page on Christian counseling and that's all they do. I mean, people don't go to my website and see eating disorders and think that that's all we do. So why mm-hmm. would someone think that about a Christian page. It's all those connotations surrounding faith that people kind of freak out about, but you definitely should have that on there. You're missing out on clients. Yeah. And that's a beautiful niche to have. It's a beautiful niche to have because people are looking for that. They absolutely, they want it and they're willing to pay private pay prices for that too. I mean, yeah. So you, you can plant your flag in your community as that if you wanted to, or at least have some people on your staff. 
So definitely. I think it's a great way to say it. And I, I think when you finally have kind of figured out, okay, maybe you've decided I want to be a faith-based practice. You're trying to figure out where am I on this, you know, line of faith-based practices. Do I want to be overt in the way that I market my practice as mm -hmm. far as my faith? Or do I want to be, you know, a more subtle in the way that I talk about my faith? And I think that really boils down to what types of clients do you want to bring into your practice? So if you want only to see, I'm using Christianity here in this podcast, because this is the faith that I align to. But if you only want to see Christian clients, then you need to have all your messaging very overt about faith, mm -hmm. right? So that they can find you as quickly and easily as possible and know exactly what you are. Yeah. And then maybe if you want to reach all different types of backgrounds, maybe you aren't so out there about your faith, a little more subtle in your messaging. So it's it's interesting because this is where my practice lands. I love seeing clients of all different backgrounds. I really, when I first started, loved working with jaded clients hmm. who just had had a bad church experience. were kind yeah. of coming back, figuring things out, really questioning things. So I didn't want to be overt in my messaging or I was going to miss that client, right? Um, so Water's Edge Counseling is the name of my practice. It's here in Savannah, Georgia. So when you hear that, you probably don't really think twice about faith. I'm mm -hmm. guessing. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't say Christian counseling or faith. You know, there's nothing in the title. Right. Right. But for me, like that was a big part of my faith was Water's Edge because mm -hmm. I experienced God on the edge of the water. And the tagline is a place to rest, risk and be restored, which is counseling stuff, but it's also faith stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And God and water and baptism, all those themes are within the Bible. And then in conjunction with that, we have a scallop shell as our logo, which a scallop shell, you're probably thinking water's edge beach scallop shell. That makes yeah. sense. We're located in Savannah by the water. But actually the reason I use that is the scallop shell is from the Camino de Santiago. If you're familiar with the journey of Santiago, St. Yeah. James, um, and it has a faith component. I won't go into all the history of that, but I was able to use my faith in my messaging. And so it's really interesting. People that are Christians will say you're a Christian practice when they look at our website. It's like they, they see all the symbols, Yeah. but yeah. someone who's not a Christian doesn't see those and they still want to come to the practice. And so I'm not so overt about my messaging and it really helps me bring in my ideal client. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. And on the flip side, if you're looking to grow group practice, mm -hmm. how are you going to attract other Christian counselors? Well, by marketing yourself uh, as a, you know, in some ways, because there's going to be counselors out there who want kind of a Christian foundation, like a group practice that yes. has those faith-based foundations or whatever the foundation might be. And it, it may make your hiring a little bit easier because you're attracting um, people who already have that faith background. Yeah, definitely. I would say within the consulting world, people asking about hiring is one of my biggest questions. Oh, huge. Like, how do I hire Christian counselors? How do I convey the values of our practice? So that's a big part of the, the consulting experience in hiring a group practice because so much goes into making those decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast, just yeah. hiring. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, what else do you have to share? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that however you're going to brand your practice, especially if you're branding it as a Christian practice, that you are reaching out to Christian organizations, right? Now, someone who's a secular practice can definitely benefit from that. I mean, churches need need you. Churches need lots of therapists, oh, Christian yes. or not. But especially if you're a Christian practice, I highly recommend that you were going to churches and telling them about your services. 
one thing that I like to say to pastors is if you need to meet with someone more than twice, you need to refer them out, right? Yeah. And so pastors need some education on this. They don't know exactly what they're doing and they're having some serious issues come in their door. I mean, you could probably speak to this, right? Well, <laughs> it's a yeah. lot for a pastor to manage when mental health is coming into their office. Yeah. Like, what do I do with this? I don't know. I feel like, and then you feel responsible to do something. Yes. I think one of the, a therapist can do is actually empower pastors to be like, you don't have to take care of this. You are not trained or equipped <laughs> to be able to hand, mm -hmm. handle a lot of these things. Um, and so I love that kind of rule two times and, you know, and they, it takes up so much time and so much a burden, especially if they don't have a care team at the church. You know, I think some of the best therapy takes place in the clinical room and at the church level, right? Like mm -hmm. there's, there's both working together for healing. Um, I, uh, and here's the other thing is that pastors need to know people to refer to and even more so who do they trust to refer mm -hmm. to. So you actually going to them is a tremendous gift and <laughs> saying, this is who I am. This is my faith background. This is how I work with clients as it relates to faith and maybe anxiety or depression or these other things and how I think about how people change. So Definitely. they, I mean, you will fill up so fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> if you have just a couple pastors who refer to you because, because they, they trust you. Mm -hmm, definitely. And there's so much to say about this marketing and working with churches because thinking of it more like a partnership mm -hmm. that we're partnering with them. I mean, you just made the important point that not all churches are going to have a counseling center. I mean, they're not having the resources and they need someone they can trust. And so you can kind of be, be their counseling center, basically that they're referring to you. I mean, people really want to refer work with people that the pastor says, Hey, I know this person. I trust this person. I've sent people to this person. I think the other important component, and you, you did kind of touch on this earlier in the show, is when a client does come in, we know where the boundary is between theological stuff and counseling stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to start talking theology when you're not educated in that area or vice versa. The pastor doesn't need to be doing clinical counseling. They haven't gotten trained in that. And so it's great that you have a partnership because when a client comes in and they have some deep theological questions, I can say, you know, that's a great thing to explore. I'm going to refer you back to your pastor or I get a release of information. I'm talking mm -hmm. with the pastor about the client because I can learn a lot through that experience, but making sure that we're referring back and forth. Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of churches will have like a diaconal fund or some, a yes. mercy fund and then in order to provide, to pay for some of these counseling sessions. Uh, I had a, a handful of pastors over to my house and their, pa and, the, and their wives, uh, mm -hmm. the other, the other day. And we had a great discussion. I didn't, I just listened to, they actually were asking my wife, who's a therapist, <laughs> all these questions around pastoral counseling. And Susan mentioned this, that like, you need to have pastors need to have like, uh, an informed consent sheet and says, this is what pastoral care or pastoral counseling looks like. I will not blah, 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 blah. You know, just kind of like setting, you know, so what therapists do, they kind of set the boundaries of what like this that. relationship looks like. Um, and I was like, man, that was really smart. <laughs> but I'm curious, like what, as you're counseling, you know, is this, I was thinking, I don't know if you have this, but it's almost like a resource for therapists to give pastors, <laughs> like as they're meeting and networking with them, you might want to consider this because there's, you know, maybe there's some legality, there's some legal issues, you know, therapists are like afraid of being sued, but something that they could give pastors and say, Hey, this could be something that you can use as a template as like a pastoral counseling contract that you can give to someone and they sign their name or something like that. 
I don't know. I was just thinking about that because that came up the other day in a conversation. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. And any way that we can educate, the better, you know, mm -hmm. helps that partnership and working with one another. I mean, one thing that I've explored and done a little in my practice and helped other people with is an EAP for churches. You were talking about the discretionary fund. So it'd be something yeah. where they would refer either, it could just be maybe for their staff, depending on the size of their church. And so you're offering a discount in services, whatever that looks like when they refer somebody or their parishioners. So like when I did this years ago, it was when I was a solo practice owner. If they referred someone to me, I gave them 20% off, you know, of the service and that created that strong bond, you know, mm -hmm. and then they were sending everybody to me. And so even though I was offering that discount, I was getting enough clients that it made it worth it to me to continue. And then mm -hmm. they started inviting me to do different things at the church. And then we formed contracts. So it'd be like, okay, well, if you refer someone, you get this discount, plus I'll give you these two courses a year and you pay me $300 a month for the whole year. And they'd sign a contract. And it was great because it started helping me cover my rent and my expenses so that wow. I had that covered. And I had this relationship with the church. So an EAP is a really great opportunity for marketing if you're looking to grow your Christian practice. Yeah. Do you, uh, What's kind of one of your favorite marketing um, like outreach? So if somebody's like, you know, I need to start reaching out to pastors more. Like what mm -hmm. would your kind of suggested like strategy to do something like that? Yes. So I have a couple of thoughts here. I actually do have, if you go to WhitneyOwens.com, you can download a free PDF on four ways to market and network with churches. And it kind of walks them through that. Awesome. But really don't overthink it. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, therapists know how to do relationship. Pastors usually know how to do relationship. And so you're really just saying, hey, can I grab a cup of coffee with you? And I want to hear more about you. So mm -hmm. you are hearing about them. Don't make it about yourself right? If they start sharing about themselves, they're going to ask about you. It's naturally going to happen. So you're just creating that relationship and saying, what do you have going on in your congregation? What are the mental health needs, right? <laughs> then and get they, ready and then get ready. For yeah. And then get ready. They, they're going to share with you what's going on. They're going to say couples are coming with conflict or mm. we have teenagers that are having self-harm and suicidality or whatever. And you can show off or showcase your skills right there in the conversation. So you can say, hey, well, here's a quick tip on marital communication. Us as therapists, we have so much information that we don't realize that people don't know the things that we know. We have yeah. master's degrees. So just share that information with that pastor. And he'll be like, wow, he or she, I should say, or them or whoever. But yeah. they're going to be like, wow, like that was great information. And then they're going right. to use that information and see that it's effective in the people that are coming into their office and they're going to be referring to you. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I did, that. which was really cool that you'd have to really plan this, but something we did at my church, it was probably my favorite thing that I've done with churches is we did um, these like marriage seminars or communication seminar series. And for the whole um, winter, so January, February, March, and April for one night, it's usually like a, the third Saturday of the month couples would come with their kids and, and it could be someone who's single. It doesn't have to be that, but a lot of times we did marital stuff, but they would come with their children at four 30 and from four 30 to six 30, one of the therapists at my practice would do some kind of lesson or, you know, presentation. And then from six to eight, they would go and go on a date and practice and have questions that we'd give to them in advance. Oh, nice. And then the kids would stay at the church from four 30 to eight. And the childcare was there. And the, I mean, because the church was helping, it was 10 bucks for you to come for the evening, 
and get a date night for $10. Like people are going to do that. So we could do different themes. Like one theme was communication and we did a man's night and a women's night and a couple's night. Um, you know, or one time it was communicating with your kids. And so we split them up between preschool parents, middle school parents, high school parents. And it was a ton of fun. And it actually brought people into the church because people would invite their friends. Hey, you know, it's only 10 bucks. You might as well come. It was great. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I love that. Um, I, my wife did um, a, a, the probably one of the highest ever attended Sunday school classes in our church was uh-huh. uh, sexual education for your your preschooler nice. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just about everybody showed up. I mean, it was like, because people are like, yes, <laughs> like we need, how do we talk about mm-hmm. these things? Um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking it'd be really fun if you were to meet with a pastor and you bring a sheet of paper, like three pocket questions to help unlock conflict in a marriage or something like that. Like you could give to pastors, be like, here, these are my favorite three questions I like to ask couples when they're, you know, and you hand that to them like a little resource. Um, but yeah, because you have so much knowledge just to be able to give that and share that. And I love that example of, of like a, like a training and date night. <laughs> That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that little pocket idea that you just gave. So I'm going to stick that in my head for a future reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. I think so much of our marketing really just boils down to those relationships, mm-hmm. right? Because they're going to refer, like you said, to people that they trust. And so after you meet with a pastor, I think a lot of people will say to me, oh, but they haven't referred to me and it's been two weeks, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, they're not sitting around thinking about you. They're running a church here, you know. Mm -hmm. But when that anxious client comes into their office that they don't know what to do with, then they're going to think about you. Right. So you got to just you got to just keep investing in the relationship. And so I think it's so important that people don't give up on those, that you consistently reach out to people and talk to people. And this has been the foundation for growing my group practice. Right now, um, I'm at 15 therapists, cash pay, group practice, which has taken a long thing. It's taken a while. And I share that to say, these things, these small things are what matters. Right. So if we meet a pastor, maybe I don't get a referral for a while, but I keep up with them. So if I see, I remember one of them I saw on Facebook, their daughter had gotten married. So I sent her a quick text and said, Hey, congratulations. You know, you look great in the pictures on Facebook, you (laughs) know, something like that. It doesn't have to be, Hey, do you have any clients for me right now? Like it doesn't need to be that just be relational and be yourself um, and just have conversations Just say, how you doing? Or like when COVID was happening, we were sending emails to pastors. Hey, this is a tough season. How are you doing? Anything we can do to help? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like one of my favorite marketing tactics is to write thank you cards to referral sources. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing in our community. Mm-hmm. We're a stronger community because you're here. That's it. Yes, that's what I used to do. And you just stay top of mind. But the same thing for the pastors. You could be the same. Thank you for all the work. Praying for you. I know it's, I know it's really hard being a pastor. Just praying for you today. Whatever. You know, something like that. That would mean a Definitely. ton. A ton. That's Terrible. right. That's right. And I, we do that with every time we get a referral from somebody, regardless if they yeah. schedule or they don't schedule. We send them a quick thank you card. It doesn't mm-hmm. have client information. It's just, thanks for thinking about us. Hope you're doing well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Is there um, anything else or how about this? How can people get in touch with you first? If yeah. there's anything else you want to share after this. Definitely. Well, this has been great. Um, I've really enjoyed the conversation here today. So if they want to get in touch with me, WhitneyOwens.com. Easy to remember. 
So I do have a podcast and you'll be coming, you'll be on the podcast in November. It's called yep. the wise practice podcast. So I help practice owners start grow and scale their faith-based practices. I also have a membership community. You can get that information on the website where faith-based practice owners are just coming together and learning how to grow your practice. It can be lonely running a practice, especially if you've got this faith value that's different than other people. Mm -hmm. And so wise practice is all about bringing them together. I do host a summit every year for the wise practice community. That's going to be in October in Charlotte, North Carolina. So you can get all that information on the website. Um, yeah, but I love it. I love this work that we get to do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add to our conversation? No, I think that's it. It's been great. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, all the content on the Brand Your Practice website and podcast and other media reflects my own opinions and should not be taken as legal advice, financial advice, or investment advice. Please seek out the guidance of a professionally trained and licensed individual before making any decisions. Some links in the descriptions may be affiliate links. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me again on the next time for the Brand Your Practice podcast.